Section 16 of the Reconciliation of Races and Religions by Thomas Kelly Chain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nicholas James Bridgewater. Baha'u'llah, Mirza Hossein Ali of Noor. According to Count Gobineau, the martyrdom of the Bab at Tabriz was followed by a council of the Babi chiefs at tehran what authority he has for this statement is unknown but it is in itself not improbable formerly the members of the two unities must have desired to make their policy as far as possible uniform we have already heard of the council of badasht from which however the bob or the point was absent we now have to make room in our mind for the possibilities of a council of Tehran. It was an important occasion, of which Gobineau reminds us, well worthy to be marked by a council, being nothing less than the decision of the succession to the pontificate. At such a council, who would, as a matter of course, be present? One may mention, in the first instance, Mirza Hossein Ali, titled as Baha'u'llah, and his half-brother, Mirza Yahya, otherwise known as subh Azal, also jinab azim jinab Bazir, Mirza Asadullah. Gobineau, however, thinks that Mirza Asadullah was not present at the assumed council. End footnote. Dayan sayyid yahya of darab and others similarly honoured by the original bob and who were the candidates for this terribly responsible post several may have wished to be brought forward but one candidate according to the scholar mentioned overshadowed the rest this was mirza yahya of nur better known as subh azal the claims of this young man were based on a nomination document now in the possession of professor brown and have been supported by a letter given in a french version by monsieur nicolas forgery however has played such a great part in written documents of the east that i hesitate to recognize the genuineness of this nomination and i think it very improbable that any company of intensely earnest men should have accepted the document in preference to the evidence of their own knowledge respecting the inadequate endowments of subh azal no doubt the responsibilities of the pontificate would be shared there would be a gate and there would be a point the deficiencies of the gate might be made good by the point moreover the letters of the living were important personages their advice could hardly be rejected still the gravity and the variety of the duties devolving upon the gate and the point give us an uneasy sense that subh azal was not adequate to either of these posts and cannot have been appointed to either of them by the council the probability is that the arrangement already made was further sanctioned namely that baha'u'llah was for the present 
to take the private direction of affairs and exercise his great gifts as a teacher while subh azal a vain young man gave his name as ostensible head especially with a view to outsiders and to agents of the government it may be this to which allusion is made in a tradition preserved by bahia khanum sister of abbas effendi abdul baha that subh azal claimed to be equal to his half-brother and that he rested this claim on a vision the implication is that baha'u'llah was virtually the head of the babi community and that subh azal was wrapped up in dreams and was really only a figurehead in fact from whatever point of view we compare the brothers half-brothers we are struck by the all-round competence of the elder and the incompetence of the younger as leader as teacher and as writer he was alike unsurpassed it may be mentioned in passing that not only the hidden words and the seven valleys but the fine though unconvincing apologetic arguments of the book of Iqan flowed from baha'u'llah's pen at the baghdad period but we must now make good a greater mission let us turn back to our hero's origin and childhood hussein ali was half-brother of yahya that is they had the same father but different mothers the former was the elder being born in a d eighteen seventeen whereas the latter only entered on his melancholy life in a d eighteen thirty footnote it is a singular fact that an azalite source claims the name baha'u'llah for mirza yahya but one can hardly venture to credit this see traveller's narrative page three seventy three note one end footnote both embraced the babi faith and were called respectively baha'u'llah splendour of god and subh azal dawn of eternity their father was known as bozorg or abbas of the district of nur in mazandaran the family was distinguished mirza bozorg held a high post under government like many men of his class mirza hossein ali had a turn for mysticism but combined this like so many other mystics with much practical ability he became a babi early in life and did much to lay the foundations of the faith both in his native place and in the capital his speech was like a rushing torrent and his clearness in exposition brought the most learned divines to his feet like his half-brother he attended the important council of badasht where with god's heroine qurratul ayn he defended the cause of progress and averted a fiasco the bab an ambassador in bonds he never met but he corresponded with him using as it appears the name of his half-brother as a protecting pseudonym footnote tn page three seventy three note one and footnote the bab was taken up into heaven in eighteen fifty upon which according to a tradition which i am compelled to reject subh azal succeeded 
to the supreme headship. The appointment would have been very unsuitable, but the truth is, Pache Gobineau, that it was never made, or rather, God did not will, to put such a strain upon our faith. It was, in fact, too trying a time for any new teacher. And we can now see the wisdom of Baha'u'llah in waiting for the call of events. The Bobby community was too much divided to yield a new head a frank and loyal obedience. Many Bobbies rose against the government, and one even made an attempt on the Shah's life. Baha'u'llah, to use the name given to Hossein Ali of Nur by the Bab, was arrested near Tehran on a charge of complicity. He was imprisoned for four months, but finally acquitted and released. No wonder that Baha'u'llah and his family were anxious to put as large a space as possible between themselves and Tehran. Together with several Bobby families, and of course his own nearest and dearest, Baha'u'llah set out for Baghdad. It was a terrible journey in rough mountain country, and the travellers suffered greatly from exposure. On their arrival, fresh misery stared the ladies in the face, unaccustomed as they were to such rough life. They were aided, however, by the devotion of some of their fellow believers, who rendered many voluntary services. Indeed, their affectionate zeal needed to be restrained, as St. Paul doubtless found in like circumstances. Baha'u'llah himself was intensely, divinely happy, and the little band of refugees, thirsty for truth, rejoiced in their untrammeled intercourse with their teacher. Unfortunately, religious dissensions began to arise. In the Bobby colony at Baghdad, there were some who were not thoroughly devoted to Baha'u'llah. The teacher was rather too radical, too progressive for them. They had not been introduced to the simpler and more spiritual form of religion taught by Baha'u'llah, and probably they had had positive teaching of quite another order from someone authorized by Subh Azal. The strife went on increasing in bitterness until at length it became clear that either Baha'u'llah or Subh Azal must for a time vanish from the scene. For Subh Azal, or for shortness, Azal, to disappear would be suicidal. He knew how weak his personal claims to the pontificate really were. But Baha'u'llah's disappearance would be in the general interest. It would enable the Babis to realize how totally dependent they were in practical matters on Baha'u'llah. Accordingly, taking a change of clothes but no money, and against the entreaties of all the family, he set out. Many months passed, he did not return, nor had we any word from him or about him. Quote, there was an old physician at Baghdad who had been called upon to attend the family and who had become our friend. He sympathized much with us, and undertook on his own account 
to make inquiries for my father. These inquiries were long, without definite result, but at length a certain traveller, to whom he had described my father, said that he had heard of a man answering to that description, evidently of high rank, but calling himself a dervish, living in caves in the mountains. He was, he said, reputed to be so wise and wonderful in his speech on religious things, that when people heard him, they would follow him. Whereupon, wishing to be alone, he would change his residence to a cave in some other locality. When we heard these things, we were convinced that this dervish was in truth our beloved one. But having no means to send him any word, or to hear further of him, we were very sad. There was also then in Baghdad an earnest Babi, formerly a pupil of Qurratul Ain. This man said to us that as he had no ties and did not care for his life, he desired no greater happiness than to be allowed to seek for him all loved so much, and that he would not return without him. He was, however, very poor, not being able even to provide an ass for the journey, and he was, besides, not very strong, and therefore not able to go on foot. We had no money for the purpose, nor anything of value, by the sale of which money could be procured, with the exception of a single rug upon which we all slept. This we sold, and with the proceeds bought an ass for this friend, who thereupon set upon the search. Time passed, we heard nothing, and fell into the deepest dejection and despair. Finally, four months having elapsed since our friend had departed, a message was one day received from him, saying that he would bring my father home on the next day. The absence of my father had covered a little more than two years. After his return, the fame which he had acquired in the mountains reached Baghdad. His followers became numerous, many of them even the fierce and untutored Arabs of Iraq. He was visited also by many Babis from Persia. End quote. This is the account of the sister of our beloved and venerated Abdul Baha. There are, however, two other accounts which ought to be mentioned. According to the traveller's narrative, the refuge of Baha'u'llah was generally in a place called Sarkalu, in the mountains of Turkish Kurdistan. More seldom he used to stay in Suleymaniye, the headquarters of the Sunnites. Before long, however, quote, the most eminent doctors of those regions got some inkling of his circumstances and conditions, and conversed with him on the solution of certain difficult questions connected with the most abstruse points of theology. In consequence of this, fragmentary accounts of this were circulated in all quarters. Several persons therefore hastened thither and began to entreat and implore. End quote. Footnote, Traveller's Narrative, pages 64, 65, end footnote. If this is correct, Baha'u'llah was more widely known in Turkish Kurdistan than his family was aware, 
and debated high questions of theology as frequently as if he were in baghdad or at the supreme shrine nor was it only the old physician and the poor bobby disciple who were on the track of baha'u'llah but several persons no doubt persons of weight who were anxious for a settlement of the points at issue in the bobby community a further contribution is made by the azali historian who states that subh azal himself wrote a letter to his brother inviting him to return footnote tn page three fifty nine end footnote one wishes that letter could be recovered it would presumably throw much light on the relations between the brothers at this critical period about eighteen sixty two representations were made to the shah that the Babi preaching at Baghdad was injurious to the true faith in Persia. The Turkish government, therefore, when approached on the subject by the Shah, consented to transfer the Babis from Baghdad to Constantinople. An interval of two weeks was accorded, and before this grace time was over, a great event happened. His declaration of himself to be the expected Messiah him whom God should manifest. As yet, it was only in the presence of his son, now best known as Abdul Baha, and four other specially chosen disciples, that this momentous declaration was made. There were reasons why Baha'u'llah should no longer keep his knowledge of the will of God entirely secret and also reasons why he should not make the declarations absolutely public. The caravan took four months to reach Constantinople. At this capital of the Mohammedan world, their stay was very brief, as they were packed off the same year to Adrianople. Again they suffered greatly, but who would find fault with the great compassion for arranging it so? And who would deny that there are more important events at this period which claim our interest. These are, one, the repeated attempts on the life of Baha'u'llah, or, as the Azalis say, of Subhi Azal, by the machinations of Subhi Azal, or, as the Azalis say, of Baha'u'llah, and, two, the public declaration on the part of Baha'u'llah, that he and no one else was the promised manifestation of deity there is some obscurity in the chronological relation of these events that is as to whether the public declaration of baha'u'llah was in definite opposition not only to the claims of subh azal but to those of zabi related by mirza jani footnote see new history pages 385 394 traveller's narrative page 357 the azalite historian includes dayan see above and footnote and of others or whether the reverse is the case at any rate baha'u'llah believed that his brother was an assassin and a liar this is what he says quote, neither was the belly of the glutton sated till that he desired to eat my flesh and drink my blood 
and herein he took counsel with one of my attendants tempting him unto this but he when he became aware that the matter had become publicly known took the pen of falsehood and wrote unto the people and attributed all that he had done to my peerless and wronged beauty End quote. footnote traveller's narrative pages three sixty eight three sixty nine end footnote these words are either a meaningless extravagance or they are a deliberate assertion that subh azal had sought to destroy his brother and had then circulated a written declaration that it was baha'u'llah who had sought to destroy subh azal it is i fear certain that baha'u'llah is correct and that subh azal did attempt to poison his brother who was desperately ill for twenty-two days another attempt on the life of the much-loved master was prevented it is said by the faithfulness of the bath servant Quote, one day while in the bath subh azal remarked to the servant who was a believer that the blessed perfection had enemies and that in the bath he was much exposed subh azal then asked him whether if god should lay upon him the command to do this he would obey it the servant understood this question coming from subh azal to be a suggestion of such a command and was so petrified by it that he rushed screaming from the room he first met abbas effendi and reported to him subh azal's words abbas effendi accordingly accompanied him to my father who listened to his story and then enjoined absolute silence upon him End quote. footnote phelps pages thirty eight thirty nine End footnote such is the story as given by one who from her youthful age is likely to have remembered with precision she adds that the occurrence quote, was ignored by my father and brother end quote, and that quote, our relations with subh azal continued to be cordial end quote. how extremely fine this is it may remind us of father forgive them and seems to justify the title given to baha'u'llah by his followers blessed perfection the azalite historian however gives a different version of the story footnote traveller's narrative pages three fifty nine three sixty according to him it was sobhe azal whose life was threatened Quote, it was arranged that muhammad ali the barber should cut his throat while shaving him in the bath on the approach of the barber however subh azal divined his design refused to allow him to come near and on leaving the bath instantly took another lodging in adrianople and separated himself from mirza hossein ali and his followers evidently there was great animosity between the parties but in spite of the eight paradises it appears to me that the azalites were chiefly in fault who can believe that baha'u'llah spread abroad his brother's offences footnote same as above End footnote. 
On the other hand, Subh Azal and his advisers were capable of almost anything from poisoning and assassination to the forging of spurious letters. I do not mean to say that they were by any means the first persons in Persian history to venture on these abnormal actions. It is again Subh Azal who is responsible for the disturbance of the community. It was represented, no doubt by this bitter foe, to the Turkish government that Baha'u'llah and his followers were plotting against the existing order of things, and that when their efforts had been crowned with success, Baha'u'llah would be designated king. Footnote, for another form of the story, see Phelps, Abbas Effendi, page 46. End footnote. This may really have been a dream of the Azalites. We must substitute Subhi Azal for Baha'u'llah. The Baha'ites were, of course, horrified at the idea. But how should the Sultan discriminate? So the punishment fell on the innocent as well as the guilty, on the Baha'ites as well as the Azalites. The punishment was the removal of Baha'u'llah and his party, and Subhi Azal and his handful of followers the former to Acre on the coast of Syria, the latter to Famagusta in Cyprus. The Baha'ites were put on board ship at Gallipoli. A full account is given by Abbas Effendi's sister of the preceding events. It gives one a most touching idea of the deep devotion attracted by the magnetic personalities of the leader and his son. I have used the expression leader, but in the course of his stay at Adrianople, Baha'u'llah had risen to a much higher rank than that of leader. We have seen that at an earlier period of his exile, Baha'u'llah had made known to five of his disciples that he was in very deed the personage whom the Bab had enigmatically promised. At that time, however, Baha'u'llah had pledged those five disciples to secrecy. But now the reasons for this concealment did not exist, and Baha'u'llah saw in 1863 that the time had come for a public declaration. This is what is stated by Abbas Effendi's sister. Footnote Phelps, pages 44 to 46. End footnote. Quote, he then wrote a tablet, longer than any he had before written, which he directed to be read to every Bobby but first of all to Sobhe Azal. He assigned to one of his followers the duty of taking it to Sobhe Azal, reading it to him, and returning with Sobhe Azal's reply. When Sobhe Azal had heard the tablet, he did not attempt to refute it. On the contrary, he accepted it and said that it was true. But he went on to maintain that he himself was co-equal with the blessed perfection. Footnote, see page 128, end footnote. Affirming that he had had a vision on the previous night in which he had received this assurance. When this statement of Subhe Azal was reported to the blessed perfection, the latter directed that every Bobi should be informed of it, at the time when he heard his own tablet read. This was done, and much uncertainty resulted among the believers. They generally applied to the blessed perfection for advice, 
which, however, he declined to give. At length he told them that he would seclude himself from them for four months, and that during this time they must decide the question for themselves. At the end of that period, all the Babis in Adrianople, with the exception of Subhi Azal and five or six others, came to the Blessed Perfection and declared that they accepted him as the divine manifestation whose coming the Bab had foretold. The Babis of Persia, Syria, Egypt and other countries, also in due time, accepted the Blessed Perfection with substantial unanimity. Baha'u'llah, then, landed in Syria, not merely as the leader of the greater part of the Babis at Baghdad, but as the representative of a well-nigh perfect humanity. He did not indeed assume the title, the point, but the point and the perfection are equivalent terms. He was indeed, quote, fairer than the sons of men, end quote. Footnote, Psalm 45, 2, end footnote. And no sorrow was spared to him that belonged to what the Jews and Jewish Christians called, quote, the pangs of the Messiah, end quote. It is true, crucifixion does not appear among Baha'u'llah's pains, but he was at any rate within an ace of martyrdom. This is what Baha'u'llah wrote at the end of his stay at Adrianople. Footnote Brown, A Year Among the Persians, page 518, end footnote. Quote, By God, my head longeth for the spears, for the love of its Lord. And I never pass by a tree, but my heart addresseth it, saying, O, oh, would that thou wert cut down in my name, and my body were crucified upon thee in the way of my Lord. End quote. The sorrows of his later years were largely connected with the confinement of the Baha'ites at Acre. From the same source I quote the following. Quote, we are about to shift from this most remote place of banishment, Adrianople, unto the prison of Acre, and, according to what they say, it is assuredly the most desolate of the cities of the world, the most unsightly of them in appearance, the most detestable in climate, and the foulest in water. End quote. It is true, the sanitary condition of the city improved, so that Baha'ites from all parts visited Akka as a holy city. Similar associations belong to Haifa, so long the residence of the saintly son of a saintly father. If there has been any profit in recent times, it is to Baha'u'llah that we must go. Pretenders like Subhi Azal and Muhammad are quickly unmasked. Character is the final judge. Baha'u'llah was a man of the highest class, that of prophets. But he was free from the last infirmity of noble minds, and would certainly not have separated himself from others. He would have understood the saying, 
Would God all the Lord's people were prophets. What he does say, however, is just as fine. Quote, I do not desire lordship over others. I desire all men to be even as I am. End quote. He spent his later years in delivering his message and setting forth the ideals and laws of the new Jerusalem. In 1892, he passed within the veil. End of section 16. End of part 2, biographical and historical. Recording by Nicholas James Bridgewater. Recorded in Oxford, England.